Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Big money, CJ. Big money, CJ. Can you tell me what today is today? What is what is the start of today? Give it to me, brother. Tell me what today is. It's the start of the playoffs, my friend. That's what's up. That's what's up. That's the shit I like. Yes. Nothing better. I'm waiting for this day. Yes. Nothing better. You just came, uh, judging by the fact you are wearing a suit, I, I assume you were at the Leafs morning skate on this Monday. Leafs and Lightning. Uh, it's going to be a fun series, I think, actually. Um, not just because I get to to witness it live, but I think with, you know, two teams that have been at the top of the standings for a long time, tons of individual offensive superstars, you know, of which one or two or three or four will probably have a pretty big imprint on the series one way or another. And, uh, you know, I think too, anything, you know, look, it's the, the stakes are so high for Toronto and I would almost say so low for Tampa, you know, obviously they want to win their third straight cup, but you know, if, if they were to lose a series, I don't think anyone's saying anything different about the lightning. Whereas, you know, obviously a lot riding on what happens here for, for the Maple Leafs. Absolutely. And we're going to do full previews as best as we can for each of the first round playoff series in this episode. Uh, we're going to go through all of the uh, NHL award results from our fan poll as well. We're going to try to keep it playoff centric for today's episode. I know there's some other news and notes going around with coaching vacancies and job searches. If that's OK, we're going to move that to Thursday because today's episode is going to be loaded enough with enough playoff content, we don't need to inundate it with, with other stuff that might not necessarily have to do with teams who are going to be playing throughout the summer. So the Winnipeg Jets, we'll have to we'll have to wait on talking about the Winnipeg Jets for at least another two, three days. I hope that's okay. I don't want to upset Jets Nation over here too much. It is a pretty spicy locker cleanout comments, though, around the, the Jets. You know, mm-hmm. fascinating saying that individuals are playing for individuals. Mark Shifley leaving open his future of the team. You know, there's a lot to digest in Winnipeg. So maybe letting the dust settle is, is not the worst course of action because I think there's going to be a lot of news out of that city this summer. Oh, absolutely. Before we get to all that extra stuff, though, I'm just curious. You, you did look with, with the Lightning series, the Leaf series. Again, we're going to, you know, have all our thoughts on how that series could go. Can you tell us like how you're going to go about covering it? What's the situation? Are you traveling? What, what's going on with you for that series? Yeah, I'm blanketing the series. So I'll be at, at all the games in Toronto and Tampa. It's obviously has made the off day availabilities as I can make pending travel and all that kind of thing. But but really for for the purposes of, of you know, North Star Bets, uh, TSN, my, my two employers, you know, I'm, I'm going to be all over this series. You know, I'll be watching as much as I can of the other series as well. It gets a little tricky, actually, sometimes when you're when you're living and breathing, you know, one particular series, and especially when you're traveling between cities, it's easy to lose t- a little bit of touch with what's happening elsewhere. You know, you get to the weekend, you're usually at a practice somewhere, or there's afternoon games, all that type of thing. But, um, you know, I think we can agree these these are probably the best two weeks, frankly, of the NHL season. It's not to diminish the Stanley Cup final or the later rounds that come, but I think that the excitement that comes with having, you know, eight first round series going on, as healthy as the teams are going to be, as jacked up and excited as players can be before the grind sets in. You know, I think that, that this will be a wild time and, you know, I'm excited to have a front row seat for, for Leafs and Lightning um, because it's, it's been a while, man. It's been a hot minute, and especially as we're recording this now. I mean, I'm excited just to go to a playoff game with fans. You know, it's, it's been a long time, really, since we've seen that in Toronto a couple of years. You know, I was in Tampa in the cup final in July where they had a full building. But, you know, without fans, the playoffs aren't, aren't quite the same playoffs. And this year, finally, we are back to, to normal in that regard. You know what? That makes me think, like, remember when the 05 lockout happened and they had those decals on the on the ice that said, thank you, fans? I mean, the fans have to kind of wait through a whole year with no hockey. Like, it would almost be kind of cool if the NHL kind of brought that back for these games for the playoffs, considering uh, some of the attendance restrictions they had to wait through. For sure. You know, and, and, you know, a lot of buildings last year, even in the playoffs in the States, were restricted, too. It wasn't just in Canada where essentially we had no fans or, you know, 2000 or whatever it was in Montreal by the end. Um, you know, it, it's been a long wait. And, and that's, that's one of my reflections from a sporting standpoint on the pandemic is just, you know, the sports lose a little bit of something without that natural soundtrack, without the, the energy that, 
that fans bring even to just the, the area around the arena on your way in the anticipation for puck drop. Like it, it really wasn't there. I mean, I, I think I went to 70 playoff games, give or take in the 2020 bubble. You know, I was in Toronto doing two and three games a day. I went to Edmonton and did all the games there for the last two rounds. And man, it was a, it was a hollow, awful thing. I mean, it was great to be able to keep doing my job. Obviously there's more important things in life going on. I recognize all that, but when we compare it to what we love about the sport, I mean, I've, I've been, I've been waiting for a moment like this. And so, you know, we're, we're going to see it hopefully here over the next eight weeks across the continent. Um, you know, we'll see, we'll see who gets to play along and who gets to excite their fan base the most, but I can't imagine there'd be many people going to games tonight, whether it's in Toronto or Edmonton, the other couple places where there's games and those fans aren't, aren't sort of pinching themselves because, you know, they really didn't get that opportunity in the last two years. You know, CJ, some people wait a lifetime for a moment like this. I don't know if you actually meant to quote Kelly Clarkson just now, but you sort of did with a moment like this. I can't take credit for that, but I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Can you tell me also, uh, when you're not watching the Leafs and Lightning, uh, how are you going to go about following some of the other series? Do you have like a multi-screen setup? No, just, you know, at, when I'm at home here in Toronto, I've got a TV and, and a phone that I'll use for two. I don't have like one of these crazy setups though with like three screens in my living room or anything like that. Uh, you know, the road can be good and bad. I mean, often on an off day or off night, you, you can find a sports bar. You know, Tampa's got a couple good ones. Hat tricks is comes to mind that, that they always got all the games on. And so that's probably the best way to do it. And, and then let's face it. We all, not everyone watches every game anymore. You're able to keep up with the highlights and what's going on through social media. So um you know, anything that goes to overtime, I'll definitely be trying to watch. And then just whatever the game of the moment is, whenever there's 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 conflicts, you know, it'd be nice if they space the games out a little bit more like the NBA started to do. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll take baby steps. I'm just happy to have these games back. So I know that the, with the playoffs underway and I know you're going to be focused on trying one Tampa. There's one thing that's been on my mind for the last like how many days that bet you made on the Florida Panthers, I believe during the all star break, like. I got to say, with the Panthers, you know, being the best team in hockey, how are you feeling about that bet, like, right now? I'd say reasonably good. You know, the one thing that gives me pause is the Panthers, you know, we placed the bet in February on behalf of the CJ show at the Cosmopolitan Hotel Sportsbook. Yes, sir. Uh, You know, hoping to have a nice dinner out with producer Nick and Julian if we ever cash that bet. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm a little concerned that they went and won the president's trophy from there on in because I didn't necessarily know that was going to happen. And we know that there's not a long history of teams converting the regular season championship, so to speak, into a Stanley Cup championship. So that makes me a little nervous. Maybe they, they, they unloaded a little bit too much goodwill or good vibes, good shooting luck, whatever, throughout the season. But look, at if you, if you could pick a team now that, to make a midseason bet, we did pretty well. I think our odds were 9-1 to one and – you know, last I looked, they're, they're better than that now if you were to place the same bet today. So we're, we're on the good side of that bet. But, man, it's so hard to pick what team's going to win a Stanley Cup. Like, who really knows, honestly? Who, who had Montreal going to the final last year? Who had Dallas two years ago in the final? I mean, it's, it's, a, tough, it's a tough game. But, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride our Panthers bet as long as we can take it. Oh, man. I, I'm just going to be real with you here. Like, I get it. You did the bet on behalf of the CJ show. And I firmly appreciate that you did. I'm kind of going to hedge the bet a little bit for myself, though. There's another team I kind of want to see win the Stanley Cup this year. Please don't be mad. I'm sorry. Is that okay? You guys going to be cool with that? That's fine. Are- as long as you're willing to share your spoils with your hedge, then... then, then- <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Look, I just want to be invited to the CJ show dinner if the Panthers win and you're going to be balling out. Because, because I look, I've hung out with you before. You could ball out. I just don't want to. I just don't want to lose the invite. You haven't lost it. You're good, brother. Okay, that's good. Um, since we're talking about betting, and, and, and one thing uh, I should let everyone know here, uh, because we're talking about betting, I'd like to see if we could bring in David Bastil of Sports Interaction so I could bring up that Panthers bet and just kind of get his reactions to that. You know, he seems to know a thing or two about betting. Does his thing on the SDP show, so why not bring him on for the CJ show on behalf? of sports interaction. Let's bring him in. Well, CJ, I have to admit, I probably should have let you talk a little bit more in that last segment. I kind of hijacked it a little bit. I went a little crazy. Sorry. I thought you cut me right out of it. So I was just, I was just enjoying the ride. 
<laughs> you know, people think I talk too much on the show, and I that that is that is just going to fuel a lot of haters' comments on that. So I I, I got to be more mindful of that. Oh well, that's okay. You're you're giving them the exact gas they're looking for, brother. You don't think I talk too much on the show? Well, it's not for me to say. It's what the listeners think, my friend. It's your show. You should say something. You could say something. You're totally in your rights to say I talk too much on the CJ show. But that's not my opinion. I didn't say that. You're saying that's what the haters are saying. I'm, I try not to pay attention to the haters. There's, I got enough problems these days with them. Okay. Well, this is why you're a really good friend, CJ. And I really appreciate you. Okay. Speaking of, uh, you know, the opposite of haters, actually. Fans. We did a fan poll a couple of days ago, and uh, we asked everyone to submit their picks for each of the major individual awards. And over the weekend, we closed the responses. Over 700 responses uh, for for our poll. Thank you very much to everybody who uh, submitted their answers, their ballots. And Siege, we're going to go through all of them. Some of them we're going to mention percentages. Others we're just going to mention the top choices. But uh, I'm curious to know what we have out of these responses. You ready to do this? Let's do it. Let's do it. We're going to go through each of these individually. We'll give our thoughts on these. Uh, We'll start off with, you know what? I'm going to go on down and not bring up the Hart Trophy right away. Uh, This award, the Marc Messier NHL Leadership Award. I'm really curious at like how people would have voted for it. Uh, But the top vote getter ended up being Ryan Getzlaff of the Anaheim Ducks, who uh, is now retired, played his uh, final games with the Ducks, and now is retired. What do you think about Ryan Getzlaff winning the NHL Leadership Award? Well, you could do worse than, than pick that. You know, I actually don't know how that award's selected. I don't know who selects that award. It's certainly not voted on by the writers. So I don't know the exact criteria, but it, they tend to seem to be a little bit narrative-driven, and why not? Have a, a longtime captain, someone who spent an entire career with an organization, had lots of success down in Anaheim. I mean, I, I think that, that that makes some sense. And and look, he's got a chance to, to win that, I would think. So among some of the other ones, uh, Sidney Crosby, Patrice Bergeron mentioned as well. Uh, Jason Spezza getting a mention. Uh, Barkov getting a mention. Kopitar. Matthews getting a mention. You're going to hear Matthews' name a lot in this particular segment. Uh, we'll move on to the Masterton Trophy. This one, uh, I wasn't sure if people were going to mention this guy as the top dog, but uh, he would have been my pick if I had a choice. Carey Price, who uh, made his return this season after rehabbing from a knee injury and being in the player assistance program. He is at the top of the uh, Masterton Trophy votes, according to us. What do you think? No issues on my end. You know, I think the Masterton is one of those awards. I mean, you're almost comparing people that have been through different struggles or personal challenges. It's hard to say one over the other to me. Um, I actually cast a ballot for the Masterton. I picked Jack Eichel, you know, who obviously fought and uh, for his right to have a, a surgery no NHL players had, came back for, for Vegas. But, you know, if Carey Price is the one who wins the award, I, I, I certainly wouldn't say that's, that's a bad choice by anyone. And as I say, I, I think I find it's, it can be a tricky award to vote on because the, the criteria is vague and you're often, there's usually five or 10 or 20 pretty compelling, um, you know, players that, that are elected because each, each chapter of the PHWA nominates a player from their team. So, you know, I, I don't know where the voters will go, but I'm not going to argue with the people that listen to this show. So Kerry Price is the mastered in favorite. Uh, two other names actually got more votes than Jack Eichel for this honor, according to us, Kevin Hayes and Brian Boyle. Uh, Boyle, I believe, wasn't even playing hockey last year. If I'm trying to remember what his situation was, because he was playing, uh, obviously, with the Penguins earlier this year. And, he didn't get uh, contract. And he exactly. went and played at the World Championships for the U.S. And, and ended up parlaying that into a job in Pittsburgh. I mean, great story. He's won the, the Masterton before. If you remember, he had a season where he, where he had to deal with some cancer treatments. Um, you know, I, I could see him getting some love. You know, again, there's there's a ton of, of players there. I it, I think the one thing everyone has to keep in mind with all awards, there's not always a right answer, a singular right answer. I think that, that they're, you know, it's when you, when you approach it that way, it's, it's an easier way to look at it. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into this with the heart or the Norris. I mean, reasonable people can look at the same thing and, and come to two different conclusions. So, you know, I, I've got no issue with any of those, those guys receiving votes. 
Yeah. And Kevin Hayes, uh, obviously playing through the loss of his brother, Jimmy, from earlier this year as well, also mentioned in the discussion. Let's move on to the King King Clancy Trophy for humanitarian contributions. Uh, Ryan Hartman leads it. And then Wayne Wayne Simmons and P.K. Subban also mentioned as well. John Tavares. But uh, the voters said Ryan Hartman. Is that just due to him donating the money that was uh, raised for his 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 you know fine there or that 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 might be it because like I I can't think of any I can't think of any reason why he would end up leading it for us essentially uh, yeah that, that was there. you know I, I don't you know I'm not always aware of every player's off ice you know some players are more private I guess than others about what they're doing off ice you know it's hard to argue with what PK Subban's done over the years. Absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of very generous humanitarian minded players in the league. And so, again, that's not one where I'm going to say that you're picking the wrong guy to the general manager of the year award. The Jim Gregory general manager of the year award. The winner, according to us, Bill Zito of the Florida Panthers, Kyle Dubas and Joe Sackick also getting mentions. Brad Treliving as well. And Bill Guerin. Among others. I mean, the, the thing to note about that award is the real award doesn't get voted on until after the second round. So usually you're down to four teams at that point, And usually three of the four GMs that get nominated are teams that get to the, the conference finals. So, um, you know, it doesn't mean that our list will look exactly as is because it'll probably depend a little bit on the playoffs, how that, that voting goes. But, you know, Bill Zito has done a really nice job, I think, in finding some slightly below the radar players are just assembling the parts of this team that, that went and won the president's trophy. I mean, whether it's Anthony Duclair, some of the moves he made on the blue line, you know, getting Sam Reinhart, you know, proved to be a really beneficial move for, for Florida. And so, you know, I, I think that he's got a strong case. I think Kyle Dubas did a nice job of managing the Leafs cap situation last summer. They really didn't have a lot of money They they let Frederick Anderson and Zach Hyman walk and still, you know, had a season where they got to 115 points the most in franchise history. You know, the Wild were, were successful for Bill Guerin. I mean, you know, all those those GMs will be in the mix for the the actual thing. And, you know, the, the finalists, as I say, will, will probably depend on what happens here in the next month and which teams uh, play on into the third round. Also, if you are wondering at home, yes, Jesse Blake did get votes in our fan poll for this award. All right, let's go. <laughs> no, without oh, a we, cop, I'm surprised. Yeah, geez, he's still doing that like once in 67 series. But hey, you know what? No judgment. The Lady Bing Trophy, most gentlemanly player award. Jack Campbell, the leading vote getter. Uh, Kyle Connor also getting mentioned. Tom Wilson getting mentioned. I was wondering if Jack Hughes would be a leading contender for this. I know he was hurt, uh, but he didn't take that many penalty minutes, if any, this year. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine a goaltender. I've never heard of a goalie winning that award, so it's funny nope. that Jack Campbell led it. I mean, certainly not saying he isn't a gentlemanly player, but it's 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 hard to measure. You know, I, I gave Kyle Connor my number one vote on, on the ballot I submitted on Monday. Um, you know, I just think two penalty minutes, you know, it's basically measuring the most gentlemanly player who also plays the game at a high level. Uh, and so I, I think he's a worthy choice. You know, I had Joe Pavelski on my ballot. Won't, won't go through my whole ballot because I'm not sure I'm supposed to do that. But but those are those are some of the guys that caught my attention. You know, I, I like too, looking for defensemen too, because you know, the defensemen that, that you see that play big minutes and don't take a lot of penalties. I mean, that's, that's its own skill. It's hard to be defending a lot of the time on the ice and, and not, um, you know, be, be going to the penalty box. I think that's why Jacob Slavin got a lot of attention uh, last year and I believe won the award. So, um, you know, it, it's uh, I think it's Kyle Connors to lose, but you know, we'll see how the real voters think. The Jack Adams award for coach of the year. Uh, the top vote getter would have been my pick, Daryl Sutter of the Calgary Flames, Andrew Burnett and Gerard Gallant also getting consideration for this honor. Yeah, I didn't vote on this one, so I haven't given it much thought. Um, look, usually the goal, the guy, the guy that wins that award usually he's got a good goaltender. So Gerard Gallant seems like a pretty good choice with the way Shesterkin played in, in New York. Um, you know, I've always wondered why more of the, the top coaches don't get it. Um, you know, we, we don't tend to see in their prime, John Cooper, for example, winning that award or Jared Bednar, you know, the guys who coach the best teams in the league don't, don't seem to, to get lots of uh, love for this award. It tends to be maybe guys that, that take over teams that, that surprise a little bit more. And so um, that, that's the group I think will probably get the, the most attention when it comes to, to casting those ballots. We are getting closer to the nitty and the gritty of this poll, the Calder Memorial Trophy for Rookie of the Year. 
with 48.9% of the vote off the responses, Moritz Sider of the Detroit Red Wings is the top vote getter. Second place, uh, Michael Bunting, 27.9. Third place, Trevor Zegers at 17.9. But uh, the majority of the voters say Moritz Sider should win this honor. And I, you know, on my ballot, I have all three of those guys in my top three. Slightly different order. I went Sider, then Zegers, then Bunting. Um, yeah, I think Sider, when you just look at the minutes he played, the impact he had in Detroit, the situational usage, uh, you know, I think he's he's a worthy candidate. And, you know, I, I don't know what, I don't know where everyone will fall on this. And we've sort of debated the bunting age thing. I mean, he, he had the most points among uh, rookies, but but obviously he had a pretty plumb spot with, with Matthews and Marner on the Leafs top line for most of the season. Um, you know, but a different experience too, having played so much pro hockey before this year. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it was a good bunch of rookies and, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if our voters are reflective of how the PHWA uh, 200 voters vote and, and Cider is ultimately the rookie of the year. Let's go to the Vezina Trophy for best goaltender. With 81% of the vote, 81.1 to be specific, Igor Shosturkin of the New York Rangers is who uh, our fans think should win the Vezina Trophy. Jacob Markstrom out in Calgary at 11.4% in second place. Frederick Anderson. 3.4%. So a bit of a drop-off between first and third. Also, a bit surprised that UC Soros didn't get much love. Only got 0.7% of the vote. But the top three, Jesterkin, uh, Markstrom, and Freddie Anderson. But uh, every, most of the, the majority of voters think Igor Shesterkin should win. Well, it doesn't need to be a long analysis here. I mean, I think with the, even just the gap between save percentage from Shesterkin and everyone else in the league, you know, he was a cut above and... and you know, I think quite clearly the, the goaltender that, that deserves that award this season. Okay. To the Selkie Trophy for best defensive forward, Patrice Bergeron, 72.8% of the vote. Uh, Michael Backlund getting some love out in Calgary, 5.7%. Marcus Felino out in Minnesota, 3.7%. Those are the, yeah, those are the top three. Uh, Elias Lindholm out in Calgary, not too far off from Felino, but the majority of voters think it's Patrice's Berge- Patrice Bergeron's award to lose. I tend to agree with him. I mean, he's nominated every single year um, and quite deservingly. So if you look at the impacts, I mean, this, this was an outrageous year um, with the underlying numbers for Bergeron. I mean, for, for a guy that, that potentially is in his final season, he's 37 years old, you know, he still tilts the ice considerably when he's on it. Uh, the, the expected goals for the, the shot attempts. I mean, everything is in the sixties percent for in Boston's favor when he's playing uh, you know, his usage has changed a little bit over the years. I think we've seen this around the league. You know, he starts more shifts in the offensive zone, for example. But, you know, I, I don't think that'll work against him enough. And, and, you know, I think Patrice Bergeron could be, you know, who knows? Might be a career capper for him. I, I'm not going to rush him out of the league, but he hasn't committed to coming back next year. And But it still wouldn't surprise me if he's awarded that Selkie Trophy. It is now time for the Norris Trophy for best defenseman. 65.3% say Roman Yossi should win it. 29.3% say Kale McCarr should win it. And at 2.8%, Charlie McAvoy. Those are the top three vote getters, uh, according to our poll, for the Norris Trophy for best defenseman. But the majority say Roman Yossi should win it. I really struggled with this one. Um, so many great seasons, so many great candidates. I actually gave Kale McCarr my number one vote. Um, mm. Norris, you know, I believe he had around 85 points. Wasn't, wasn't too far off. The pace we saw by Yossi scored more goals. And, and I think if you look at some of the underlying possession numbers, had a, you know, mildly better season. You're, you're, you're trying to identify the best all-around defenseman in the game. I think Victor Hedman deserves some attention in addition to the guys you mentioned uh, for that kind of season. Devon Taves, Aaron Ekblad, uh, I think are all sort of worthy of top five votes in, in some order there, thereabouts. And, uh, you know, our, our, our uh, listeners did a pretty good job of identifying the top guys, though. We did include polls for the Art Ross and the Rocket Bouchard Trophy, which have already been won uh, by uh, Austin for the Rocket and uh, Connor McDavid for the Art Ross Trophy. And that is who our voters lean towards. Uh, no real surprises in terms of second and third place, but not really uh, one we're going to spend too much time on with those two, since it's less of opinion and more factual. So let's just go to the final two here. The Ted Lindsay Award for Most Outstanding Player, as voted on by the players. 50.5% of the vote 
going to Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid. Get wait, why would we do a hard end to Lindsay? I mean, isn't it the same kind of award for the purposes of our listeners? Or they kind of just put both. Well, when Robert and Yams put together the uh, shout out our mods, Robert and Yams, they did put the awards. They kind of just included all the awards here. So I do understand you are kind of voting for the same thing here, but maybe they're just kind of going off what they think the players might do. Because remember, mm-hmm. it is the players voting for the Ted Lindsay. So 50.5% saying that Austin Matthews will win it and 339 going to Connor McDavid. And then in third place, Johnny Gaudreau at 11%. And, and I guess to kind of skip ahead a little bit here, it's the same top three for the Hart Memorial. However, second and third flip for the Hart Memorial Trophy. So Austin wins both the Ted Lindsay and the Hart Memorial, according to our fans. But whereas second would go to McDavid and third to Goudreau for the Ted Lindsay honor for the Hart Trophy, seems as if Johnny Goudreau is second and Connor McDavid is third. So more people think that Johnny Goudreau is more deserving of the Hart Trophy than Connor McDavid. That's actually more interesting than anything else. Well, you, I think you can make the case. You know, it's not how I voted. Absolutely. Time, but I mean, Johnny Goudreau had 80 plus even strength points, um, had by far his best career year. I, I don't think it's a it's a crazy vote. Um, you know, I did have McDavid ahead of Goudreau on my ballot. Uh, but look, there there's any number of candidates there. I gave Austin Matthews my number one vote ultimately um, with, with McDavid second. I think that that's that's going to be the most common ballot, I would assume, in some order. You know, some people might have McDavid and Matthews or Matthews and McDavid. To me, that's that's probably going to be what you see most often on the ballots. You know, the other guys up for consideration, you know, I think Igor Shosturkin will get some love there. Roman Yossi or Kael McCarr both might get some love. Um, Kirill Kaprizov uh, is in my top five for the heart. Mm. Um, you know, Jonathan Huberto's had a great season. He'll probably appear on some some ballots somewhere in that top five. I mean, there's there's a group of players. Maybe Sidney Crosby was – I started to see some love online. I don't know, you know, where he'll land on some ballots, but – you know, there's so many great individual years this year. I think that, that there was a number of guys that you could make a case for. And, um, but I, I would say that McDavid Matthews are going to finish one too. We just have to wait until June to, to, to find out the order. Is Steven Stamkos worthy of any like third, fourth or fifth place votes? Maybe not third, but like fourth or fifth place. I, you know, I didn't have him in my top five, but I, if I saw him in someone's top five, I wouldn't blink. You know, I wouldn't say, what, what are you thinking? Um, Kind of back to my original point, I don't believe that I did my best with my ballot to the best of the way I saw things. But, you know, I'm, I'm willing to accept that there are other maybe even better ways of, of looking at the season and, and critiquing it. So why not? I mean, Stamkos had a ridiculous year, given that it's his 14th season. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he admitted actually that, that some of it might have been driven by a desire to make Team Canada. This was a year that started with him wanting to, to get that kind of attention. Obviously, the, the NHL players didn't go to the Olympics. It was a moot point, ultimately. But the truth is, is he put himself in position to, to be selected for that team, you know, had had that been something that, that went ahead and happened and he didn't slow down the second half. He, you know, he put up 20 points across his last seven games, give or take. So pretty, uh, pretty impressive season from from number 91 in Tampa. Yep. So with that, uh, that concludes uh, the fan poll. Thank you, everyone who contributed ballots and let us know where they were uh, voting from. We had people from all across Canada, all across the states, different parts of Europe uh, contributing to this and all all other parts of the world as well. So thank you very much to everyone who contributed to the CJ Show fan poll. You are very much appreciated. CJ, it is time to look through all of the first round series of the playoffs. Are you ready for this part of the podcast? I am. I just got to make sure I don't contradict anything I've written. Make sure I get the right predictions. Oh, dude, I'm I'm with you there. I have my uh, like my this like book in front of me where I wrote down all of the predictions I made on another podcast, uh, the uh, Yahoo Sports Hockey podcast, and I I have it in front of me, and I'm making sure that I'm remaining consistent on all of my predictions. So I I I totally understand the feeling. Um, do you want to start with uh, the series you are most comfortable with, in this case being Tampa Bay versus Toronto? Sure. Um, what do you want? Talk about the series or have a prediction? Let's talk about the series, man. Like, let's just give general thoughts about each of these series. And then when we when it comes time for us to give, like, you know, which way are you leaning? We can talk about that. I think we'll talk about this one quite a bit, considering 
uh, the familiarity with both teams here. But there's a lot to talk about when it comes to these two teams. Well, I find it funny that in a series that features Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, Braden Point, William Nylander, Victor Hedman, Morgan Riley. I mean, so many great offensive players that the, the day, first day or two leading into the series is talking about violence, uh, in part due to a, a, a you know a pretty clever quote from Sheldon Keefe saying he expects borderline violence in the series. You know, I understand Tampa and the Leafs have played two recent games and the last one resulted more than 100 penalty minutes. And so there's probably some carryover there, you know, on the fourth line of these two teams. I mentioned all the sort of star power in the series. You've got guys like Pat Maroon, Pierre-Edouard Belmar, uh, Corey Perry, Wayne Simmons, Kyle Clifford, uh, Colin Blackwell. Anyway, you know, I think that that's maybe where some of it comes from. You know, Zach Bogosian might get the series from Tampa's end of things, Igor Labushkin from the Leafs. But, you know, it starts off talking about the violence. I think we'll probably end up talking about some special performances from you know, I would think that group of star players that that's going to tilt things one way or the other. And, you know, you look at Tampa's last two cup wins, they don't, they don't do that without Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov in particular, having massive monster playoffs, you know, Kucherov had over 30 points each of the last two playoff years that, that went a long way to helping Tampa win eight straight series. And so if Toronto's going to ultimately have that success, I would suggest it's probably going to be Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Elander, those guys, having a big spring, or maybe it's, it's Tampa doing it again and probably led by their stars. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious about that dynamic. I think that the biggest question probably from the Leafs end is, is goaltending, how Jack Campbell deals with any adversity that might come his way. If things go wrong early, does it, does it knock him off the rails? He's been very, very good when he's been good this year, but, but he also had a pretty long stretch where he wasn't at his best. And so I think it's, it's a compelling series on a number of levels. Um, and I really think it's going to go the distance. I picked the Leafs in seven in this series. And, and, you know, I'd be surprised if it ended any sooner than six games, no matter which team comes out on top. Okay. I have lightning in seven. I, I, I think the goaltending, I think goaltending is going to be a big factor, big factor for pretty much every series, uh, but the lightning have the best one in Andre Vasilevsky and they have the offensive firepower to do it. They have the defense, obviously. And there, there's one thing that the lightning have a lot of mileage on them over these last how many years because of the Stanley Cups that they have. But there's a reason why they got out guys like Brandon Hagel into their lineup. I mean, Corey Perry, I know he's played a lot over these last few years too, but he's going to contribute. They have some other players like Nick Paul as well, who don't necessarily have that wear and tear, who I think could also be a factor in that playoff series. So I'm leaning towards Tampa in seven, but I, I think the Leafs could really, I mean, this could is going to be a series. There's, I would be shocked if it ended in five or six. No, I mean, it, it might come down to sort of confidence or fragility. You know, I think the Leafs have to prove they don't have that. I mean, they, they didn't have it in the regular season. They had a, a slow start in October, and they still went and got the most points and wins in franchise history. You know, they had all these great individual performances in the regular season. But, you know, the playoffs is a different crucible. And, and you know, until you see it from them, you can't say they have it. I, I'm certainly not of the belief that, there's something about this particular group of star players that's flawed. You know, like I think that all it is is they haven't done it yet. Uh, but again, that's, that's just a feeling that, that that has to be proven right at some point. And so, um, you know, I, I think that, that there, there's the, the sort of the, what do they call it? The demons. There's a great mm-hmm. quote from that, that, that behind the scenes show that was done, the all or nothing series or just, you know, it was Paul McLean who's, who sort of helps out on the coaching staff, kind of a coaching advisor. And he's just saying they got these guys got demons in their cars, demons under their beds. You know, can they slay some of those demons? I, I think it's it's not just complete narrative to suggest, you know, that, that there's been some paralysis here in the past for some of the top performers. And so, you know, that'll be fascinating to watch if, if Tampa can put them under duress, if they can bottle up Matthews and Martin early on. And obviously the, the media will be piling on, probably the fans and hockey Twitter will be going. You know, how do they fight through that? Maybe Jack Campbell, if he has an off day or off night, you know, how does he bounce back from that? I mean, these are questions that until the Leafs prove it and show it, they haven't done it. But, um, you know, as I say, I, I really think this series is, is going to the distance. And, uh, you know, having home ice for Toronto, I think, will be beneficial both for matchups and energy. And remember, it's the first series with fans in the building that the Leafs have played in, in a couple of years. And, and I do think that will be beneficial um, you know, particularly for the games here in Toronto. 
there are a few shows on this uh, this very network you're going to want to pay attention to for more analysis on this Leafs Lightning series, notably the SDP, but also Game Over Toronto. And there are a few other Game Over shows you should check out as well. So we both say this series goes seven, but we're picking opposite teams. You're picking Toronto. I'm picking Tampa. So that's one down. Let's go to Washington and Florida. I think the Florida Panthers, being the team that they are, should have no issues with the Washington Capitals. What say you? The same. You know, I picked Panthers in five in my North Star bets Monday inside the NHL column. Um, I wrote that yesterday. I don't feel any different a day later. You know, nothing's changed in my analysis of it. You know, Washington's had trouble with the goaltending. They're just not – basically, Florida, Florida is now what the Capitals were at their best. I mean, they're just a dynamic um, offensive juggernaut. And, you know, it, Washington just isn't that now. I mean, they still have Ovechkin. They have players that have had a lot of success in the league. But, but as a team, they just don't control the shot share enough. And I just think with how fast the Panthers play, how prone they are to, to putting the nut puck in the net, you know, they're never out of a game. We saw that multiple three-goal comebacks where they won games this season. I, I don't see them having a huge amount of difficulty in this series, and so I think it'll be a quick one. Okay. Uh, I also have uh, Florida winning in five in that series. The one thing I'll say about Washington, though, you made, you made a very good point just now. The Florida Panthers – are where the Washington Capitals used to be a team with just loaded with offensive talent, really good team to watch. You know what happened? Remember what happened to them in 2010 when they were the top team in the National Hockey League? They lost. They They lost their first round series. They got halacked. There's a part of me that wonders, what if what if Washington kind of reverses that and does that to Florida this year? I'm picking Florida, but you, you did mention on a previous episode, we could be in for upsets. How crazy of an upset would it be to see the Capitals with the players that they have and the expertise they have in the playoffs, even though they don't have as strong a goaltending as other teams, find a way to pull this off against the Florida Panthers, the best team in the NHL. That would be insane. It would be. This is why you watch. This is why we're billing these two weeks is so exciting is, is that's going to happen probably in one of these series. It's not going to all go as we're predicting at the outset. I, I still feel good about the pick. I, I think the Panthers will learn too from that series they were in with Tampa last year. I mean, they were right there. I know it was a six game series, but that was entertaining. And, you know, maybe Florida's looking at it like if we had a found a way to hang on and win a couple more of those games, maybe they're on a, a cup run last year. And so you know, I just think that the Panthers are ready to take a step, and and this this is this is as about a good a first round matchup as you could hope for for Florida. I think uh, just because the East is full of hundred point teams, there's no easy matchups. But I think Washington is is a bit of a fading glory in in the league right now. Florida would be a win a win sorry a win over the Capitals a playoff series win. There would be their first playoff series win. Since 1996, you want to talk about teams who haven't won a a series in the Atlantic division in a while. The Florida Panthers know all about that. So we both have them winning in five. The Penguins and the Rangers, where do you go on this one? I'm going to the Penguins in this series. Um, I don't feel super confident about it. Uh, You know, I I get a little bit of last dance vibes from the Penguins. You know, Evgeny Malkin. And Chris Letang, both are on expiring contracts. Sidney Crosby turned back the clock this year. If you look at his points per game, the way he performed, I just think that they'll summon a way through this series. Um, they certainly should carry the play at five on five uh, for the most part. That um, They certainly were a better offensive team than New York was throughout the year. You know, Shesterka did have such a great season, but we haven't seen him really do it in the playoffs. And so you know, I think the task is a little different for him than it was. And so that, that, that'll be a challenge and something to watch, but, you know, I, I think I picked, picked Pittsburgh in six. So, I, you know, I don't see it as being a, a quick, easy series, but I also do believe the Penguins are, are you know, kind of in the weeds. I'm not saying they're going to win the Stanley Cup, but I, they, they've kind of been overlooked a little bit this year. And, and I like their team. And, and I think that this is a pretty good matchup for them. Goaltending let down the Pittsburgh Penguins last year. I think that Tristan Jerry not being healthy is also going to kind of impede them this year. I also just like how the Rangers are built as well. Having Igor Shosturkin, but also Adam Fox and Artemi Panarin as well. Sorry, Artemi Panarin. I got to make sure I enunciate properly here. They have the weapons and the coaching to be able to get through a playoff series. And I think they're going to be able to do this in six. So we go the opposite ways here on this particular series. You have pens in six, I have Rangers in six. Yes. Yes, we don't have to agree on every single pick here. I'm glad with that. What about uh, Carolina Boston, Boston, Carolina? Yes, 
Uh, I have Carolina in six. What about you? I've got Boston in six. So that's a good oh, one. Oh, I love this. Yes. I, Tell me why Boston. I mean, I see the teams is pretty even, actually. I think that this might be the closest series in the, in the Eastern Conference in terms of the way the talent lines up. I just I'm worried about the, the Hurricanes goaltending situation. Anti Ranta starting game one, his first ever playoff start. Um, you know, Frederick Anderson's situation is very murky up in the air. We, we, we know he's had knee injuries in the past. So, you know, I'm not sure that we'll see him in the series or what degree we'll see him. And so I think that that's going to swing in Boston's favor and give them a slight edge, even though they got to go and start the series on the road in Raleigh. Okay. So to recap, you have Leafs in seven. Panthers in five, Penguins in six, Bruins in six. I like these. These are good picks. I like these. Except you have three of the opposite picks. So how can you like my picks? Well, I mean, I like the fact that they're different from mine, but I also don't think your picks are all that far off. I mean, I do, for recap for me, I have Lightning in uh, seven. I have Panthers in five, Rangers in six, Carolina in six. So yeah, there are some differences, but no, I mean, your, your picks are pretty good too. You know, I'm not going to tell you they're, they're crap picks. What are we going to do? Just like, hey, hey, leave you hanging out to drive. Like, yeah, CJ, man, your picks are crap. No. Well, when I go 4-0 and oh and you go 1-3, and three, it's going to be a bitter pill, my friend. Ooh, okay, them's be fighting words. I, I see you, CJ. Let's go to the Western Conference. St. Louis versus Minnesota. My pick for most exciting series of the first round to watch. I have the Minnesota Wild in seven. Where do you go? Me too. Me too. I, I, you know, it's, it's hard to, to pick that series. Both teams finished so strongly. Minnesota barely lost for a month, but you know, a couple of the games they did lost were head to head with St. Louis, which may or may not matter. I think sometimes you make too much of that, but, but they were recent games. So that's times when they stacked up the, the lineups that are going to, you know, battle out in the playoffs. And, and, you know, I, I just think that uh, the wilds really have, kind of an X factor. I think offensively, they're going to have an easy, slightly easier time in this series, creating goals, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury bolsters what they're doing in net. And so, yeah, in, in, in a series where there's really not a ton of edge to be found or clear edge to be found, you know, I, I think the wild are going to pull it out and, and, and win it at the distance. Okay. So Minnesota and seven for both of us. What about the Los Angeles Kings versus the Edmonton Oilers who wins in that series? I think it'll be closer than some expect. Um, you know, I've got the Oilers in six, uh, but I, I don't think it'll be easy. You know, you, you kind of highlighted it earlier, spotlighted it, the, the sort of defensive centers of, of the Kings against the, the highly offensive guys of Edmonton. I think Deneau's experience in the playoffs uh, will, will be beneficial to the Kings in terms of trying to disrupt or plant some seeds of doubt in, in the Oilers' minds. But, you know, where I like Edmonton, maybe even as a sleeper pick for a longer-term playoff run, is that Mike Smith has gotten super hot, uh, winning all those games down the stretch. He wasn't overtaxed during the season because he, he did miss time with injury, and Miko Koskinen for, for a period was taking the ball in net, and so I think he should be refreshed. Obviously, he should be confident with how he's played, and, and you know, to me, that's that's a nice formula for Edmonton to, to not only win this series, but maybe to try to be a, a sneaker team that might be able to pull off an upset in round two. How funny is it that the Edmonton Oilers, a team that we've discussed all year as a team in need of goaltending, possibly even being active at the market for goaltending, they enter the playoffs, not only with Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen, but Mike Smith playing his best hockey of the year. Like, that is hilarious to me. Just shows you, like, you, you make plans and God laughs, as they say, right? It's, it's uh, <laughs> it does. just when you think you know something, you know, things change. I mean, that, that's that's sports and that's hockey. That That's that's what's beautiful, particularly goaltending, right? It's it's a difficult position because the performances ebb and flow. The only the very best are really good all the time, um, but the truth is, is most goaltenders do have ups and downs. And right now, Mike Smith's riding a real up, and as long as he can keep that up, I, I like the Oilers' chances. I too also have the Edmonton Oilers in six. We seem to be on the same page with the Western Conference series so far. Uh, what about? Nashville, Colorado. I, I think the next two we're going to be on the same page too, unless you have some big upset you want to tell us. Nashville, Colorado is the next one. No, Colorado in four. Um, the UC Saros injury is damaging to, to the Preds. You know, a sweep's hard to pull off. You don't see it really a ton of sweeps, but if anyone's going to do it in the first round, I think it's going to be the Avalanche. Okay. I too have the Colorado Avalanche in four. I haven't looked at the schedule. But I assume the series, uh, the first four games are going to be within the first eight days. So I wonder if Daryl Sutter is going to be right. 
Uh, what about uh, Calgary versus Dallas? Speaking of Daryl Sutter. Yeah, Flames in five for me. Love their team. I know I've, I've said on a previous episode, I think that they probably have the best chance of the Canadian teams to have a long playoff run if we had to pick one. Uh, I don't see anything really in this series that, that should give them too much pause. Uh, you know, Dallas really struggles to score as it is. The Flames are a great team at limiting chances. And, and when they do give them up, Jacob Markstrom has really had a, a fantastic season, nine shutouts. So, you know, it's, it's hard for me to see the path to victory for Dallas. Um, you know, anything's possible, but you know, th- those will probably be grinding lower scoring games, but I, I just think Calgary will, will overwhelm them. Ultimately. They, they just had so many players have great years this year, whether it's Elias Lindrum, Goodrow, Matthew Kachuk, you know, even Andrew Mangiapane, like there's, there's, there's a lot to like with that Calgary team, the way they're playing. And I think that'll be pretty easy work for them in that series. To recap the predictions from CJ Leafs in seven Panthers in five Penguins in six Bruins in six, Wild in seven, Oilers in six, Avalanche in four, Flames in five. Those are some pretty good picks. And then for me, I have the Wild in seven, uh, Tampa in seven, Rangers in six, Oilers in six, Panthers in five, Canes in six, Avs and Flames in four. I have two sweeps that will happen in the playoffs in the first round this year. So uh, we're just going to have to see if uh, I'm right or CJ's right. We'll have to wait and see how that goes down. Okay, it is time for Ask CJ uh, to wrap up uh, the Chris Johnston show for this here Monday. I only have a few questions for you because we know this episode has gone on long enough. You know, I I told Adam that it was going to be a long episode and uh, he said some words I can't repeat on this podcast. Let's take a question from Turn Offsides Off on Twitter. Which team is the dark horse candidate for you this year? Meaning which team is going to surprise everyone as Montreal did last year and go way further than expected? I think Edmonton, as I've sort of mentioned, I, I could see doing that. And the other one I have is Boston. And, and maybe that lines up with my pick of them over Carolina. I think, you know, if Boston beats Carolina, that'll be a surprise. They're, they're lined up now if that were ever to happen. They're, they're in the Metro division, so they don't have to, to face one of their Atlantic brethren, at, at least until the third round. And so it wouldn't surprise me to see the Bruins go on a, a big run this playoffs. You know, even the Bergeron factory still performing at a high level, but his teammates will know that that, there's no guarantee that this might not be it. And so I, I think the Bruins are a team we've maybe slept on a little bit, you know, from, again, from a national standpoint, you know, they get lots of love in their own market, but um, I, I think them or, or the Edmonton were the, the two sort of underdog or, or, or what have you teams that, you know, I don't see it being a predators or stars or Kings. I, I just don't think it's, it's the time for any of those teams. Funny you mentioned those three teams because the second half of that question says, which do you think of the Stars, Preds, and Kings will survive the longest? And according to your predictions, you have Oilers in six. So you're saying the Kings are going to be the team that lasts the longest of all those three teams. And they will this could be, be one more day than one of the others. So, yeah, I'm not That's exactly it. saying it's, it's, it's going to be that much difference for, the, for any of the three of them. Okay, let's go on to the next one from uh, MTN, which is probably short for Mountain Operator. If the Leafs get eliminated in the second round, is it still a successful season? The second depends, round. Depends how it happens. Um, you know, a sweep is different than if they go seven. Um, but yeah, I think it's, look, success. The only real success for a team built like Toronto is, is winning the Stanley Cup. I mean, they've, they've been a top five, top six team in the NHL for a number of years now. But, you know, they have to win around at some point. And so I, I, I think that it's, it's moderate success. Yeah, should they get by the first round and, and go out in the second? Um, and, yeah, but, like, they, they could look at that. They might play – they might beat Tampa. I didn't have to play Florida, for example. And if they lose to the Panthers, I'm not sure – not sure there's a whole lot of shame in that. And so, yeah, I, I think winning the first round counts as moderate success for the Leafs. Next question from Wham876543. I have to deliver an apology to Wham because I mentioned his username wrong the last time he had a question. So my bad. Uh, Snacks of choice while watching Stanley Cup playoff games if you're watching from home. Oh, I try not to snack too much, but if I'm going to have a guilty pleasure, I'd I'd like a Ruffles all-dressed chip. Oh, Yes. You know, and if if not a delicious pizza, 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 which I've mentioned, I know on the pod, my affinity for that particular chain. But those those are those are the kind of snacks I'm looking at. But I'm I'm trying to to avoid doing that. So probably just be guzzling the water uh, 
you know, when I'm at home watching the games. CJ, we have one last question for you, and then you can take a nap. <laughs> it's, been long, it's been a long day. I could tell. Yeah, no offense taken. From Red Shark Pack on Discord, what's the biggest difference in covering a team in the playoffs versus the regular season as a reporter? You know, the players tend to get a little bit tighter, more emotional, um, which is actually nice. One of my favorite things about covering the Stanley Cup final or, or covering a team when it gets close to winning the final is you, I actually find players get quite sentimental at times, um, more willing to sort of reflect on their journey to getting to, you know, so close to their dream, talking about influential parents or coaches or friends or people that help get them there being really open to those kind of discussions, which I think can lead to, to productive stories at this time of year. You know, obviously access is more curtailed. Uh, so there's a little less time with the players. There's more reporters trying to tell the same story. So it's, it can be hard to differentiate yourself. Uh, but, but, but for the most part, I mean, athletes in the sport are great to deal with. And, and you know, I, I think the, the biggest sort of difference is just the, the, everything around the games is just heightened and it's that's the anticipation the the hype the when things go bad like it feels worse and so there can be a lot of there's just a lot of emotion involved and so you see some you see, you see some interesting things said or maybe some players tighten up and don't give you as much as usual you know that that's probably the the biggest difference um but you know it's it's the best time of year and and as I say, I really love when you're about to cover a team about to win, no matter what team it is, there's just always so many great personal stories among that, that team. And, and it's been my experience over the last 16 Stanley cups, I guess I've covered that players in that position are really open to um, kind of discussing how they got there and what it means and thinking about bringing the cup to their hometown and all that stuff. Like, I think there's, there's some really nice stories to be told. And, and so maybe the guys let their guard down, it's almost like the longer it goes, it's just such a grind. You can't even have time or energy for a guard. And so, believe it or not, uh, sometimes guys get even more open than normal uh, the closer we get to, to seeing that Stanley Cup handed out. I still can't believe you've covered 16 Stanley Cups in your life. I know, and I still look this young. Yes, that's true. That's it, baby. You actually look at young. CJ, thank you so much uh, for going through all the questions, going through everything on this edition of the show that bears your name. Uh, playoffs, they begin today. Enjoy them. Enjoy them all because we are going to be in for a very fun ride over these next few weeks. And be sure to keep it locked here to the SDPN network uh, for all the great content, all the great podcasts, all the fun stuff that is due to come over these next few weeks with the Game Over shows, the SDP as well, Agent Provocateur, and of course, our show. We're going to have ourselves a lot of fun over these next few weeks. Uh, for CJ, I'm Julian saying so long. Uh, Eid Mubarak to everyone who celebrates, and peace. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.